Hi, if you are here, it's because you are a mom of an addicted loved one. You're not alone. Thank you for coming today and listening to our interview here with Ann Lowell. Ann Lowell, since she was a child, Ann has been fascinated by the mind, body, and the brain. She studied kinesiology at the University of Michigan has over 1,500 hours studying and teaching meditation, yoga, and mindfulness, and has a background in massage therapy for chronic pain and mental health. She's the energy behind Evolved Mind, LLC, which is dedicated to helping smart and successful people from all walks of life and from all over the country to feel at ease amidst the chaos. A cornerstone of her mindfulness teaching and coaching is that well-being is a skill and it's starts by training the mind. And we are blessed to have her here today because she's going to help give us some tips, some techniques on how to train our minds to let go of the chaos. And maybe that's addiction, you know, your, your addicted child, or maybe it's COVID, um, or maybe it's something else. But please help me welcome Anne. Nice, nice to have you, Anne. Thanks so much for having me, Michelle. My pleasure, our pleasure. So, wow, when you say, um, when I read, you know, that you have a background in massage therapy for chronic pain and everything, it's like, gosh, I wish you were my daughter so I could just kind of <laughs> pop in and have you give me some of these <laughs> these great skills you have. Does, does your family take advantage of you? Yeah, well, I remember uh, when I was in massage school, I was living at home, and we had to do a certain amount of hours of free massages, and so my parents were just easy easy customers and very willing, so <laughs> they definitely took advantage, <laughs> especially during that time. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a very uh, nifty, like, you know, technique to have in your back pocket is massage, so I'm very grateful to have that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I I am yeah. sure. So did your parents, like, did they really get into it, or was it something that they enjoyed or didn't enjoy? Because I can't go, oh, I can't do it. Oh, they loved it. Yeah, it was great because, I mean, my parents are not one to, they're not, like, I don't know, they're not big splurgers. Like, they would never get a massage a week normally, but when they had someone in their home that needs to give them a massage, they were very willing and they loved it, and I was always, you know, I needed to try different techniques and um, applied different things I was learning in school, so they were very willing and they loved it. And I think they're going a little crazy right now without having those regular massages now that I don't live there. Oh, my. Yeah, I bet. So when you visit, you know, they're probably going to make sure they allow some time for that. So probably, um, yeah. I, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, know I would. <laughs> well, I wanted, I wanted to just share the definition of mindfulness um, for our listeners. Um, I thought it was, it was so, it's, it sounds so appropriate for so many people, but especially moms um, in this situation. But mindfulness, it says, is a mental state achieved by focusing one's awareness on the present moment while calmly acknowledging and accepting one's feelings, thoughts, and bodily sensations used as a therapeutic technique. And so often what I see with moms is, and myself included, is we we tend to worry about what's going to come. And um, we're so fearful that our loved one will overdose or end up in jail for life or just never serve his or her purpose. And 
um, sometimes bringing, bringing us back to the present moment and even tapping into what our body is going through. Um, I, when it was the worst for me, I, had, I saw my family doctor and she said, Michelle, you've got to get well because when your body is stressed, it's proven like we can we can get cancer we can get viruses we are more susceptible to so many things so what how do you think that well i guess back up a minute why did you decide to get into this profession and how has it helped you yeah, well, thanks for sharing that definition i think that there's lots of definitions of mindfulness out there and as we might talk about later uh, in this in this podcast, is how it's a big buzzword these days, and I think that's a good thing because it helps bring the word out about mindfulness. But it's also not a good thing because it it becomes kind of hyped up, and then people know about it, but they don't really know exactly what it is and how to apply it to their life. Um, so I'm excited to share some applicable, simple techniques that people can actually use in their life that um, will hopefully help. But as far as how I got interested in mindfulness and yoga and basically the realm of uh, mental health is when I was growing up I had um, I had some anxiety I come from an anxious bunch of people so it wasn't a surprise to me and I think we all have some anxiety to some extent others um, you know less so it is part it is a genetic thing as well as environmental so um, other different people are affected in different ways but I grew up in an anxious household, and um, so I just kind of had that proclivity. And so when stressful things happened to me in my life, I had a tendency to dull them through um, an eating disorder, actually. And it started off not a big thing. It was just, you know, controlling my food here and there um, and, you know, exercising to sort of compensate for food that I ate. And I didn't think it was a big deal. Other people were doing it. Um, our society and culture sort of infers yeah. that women um, are more valued if they look a certain way. So I took in those messages starting at a very young age. So not only was I anxious Absolutely. a little bit, but I also had those messages coming in. Um, and in a way, you know, it's an addiction in a, in a different sense. So I dealt with sure. that um, middle school, high school, and college, and it kept getting worse and worse. And finally, I realized what I was doing when I decided to take a yoga teacher training. I did the yoga teacher training because I was like, oh, this will be great, um, you know, exercise. It will be a good complement to my running. Um, it was really all a physical thing, and it was out of my addiction. Um, so I um, started this yoga teacher training, and it was not what I expected at all. There was, you know, some information about the poses and some information about, um, you know, the body and anatomy, but a lot of it was about the mind and it was very uncomfortable because Ooh. I was yeah. struck with all of the things I'd been doing for years <laughs> and started <laughs> to understand why I was doing them. Like I understood that it wasn't because I, it wasn't about my, the body that I was trying to achieve and it wasn't about the amount of calories I, I wanted to have, but it was really a way of coping with the difficulties of life. And at sure. that point I became really, really interested with like, whoa, like, is there anyone that doesn't cope with the difficulties, that doesn't cope poorly with the difficulties of life? Like, how yeah. can it be that some some people can deal with the discomfort so gracefully, and yet others have to resort to, um, you know, some other unhealthy ways of coping? Um, and so I just became really interested in this idea of 
happiness and well-being and coping in healthy ways. And so that led me down the path of uh, yoga, meditation, massage, and really now I'm just so fascinated with the mind and the brain and the body and how they're all connected. And really, I mean, from what I've been learning is just everything starts in the mind. And so if we really want to work on well-being and mindfulness, we have to look at the mind because that's where it all starts. So that's a oh, long nice. way to explain yeah. how I how I got to where I am oh. now. But. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, absolutely. And so, uh, it, and I think that anybody who says they don't have struggles with anxiety or some type of poor coping mechanisms um, probably aren't telling the truth. I, or at some point in their life, maybe they're grounded in their mindfulness and healthy habits now. But I don't think it comes naturally. I think people have to learn, just like you said, it's like almost like you have to learn and you have to start at the brain. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, so how, so for a person like me who who hardly ever, I mean, I, I've tried to start meditating and mindful thing, um, bringing myself back to the moment and staying in the moment so that I can control, I don't know if control is the right word, but kind of cope with some maybe anxious thoughts or I'm really an empathetic person. So if somebody walks in Mm -hmm. the room and I feel their energy and Mm -hmm. they're anxious or they're angry or, you know, I'm so aware of that and I have to you know, kind of deflect that. And it's a skill that I, I'm trying to learn, but I don't even have that yet. But anyway, let's that's yeah. a whole other probably, probably a whole other discussion. But how can you, so why don't you share some of our tech, your techniques and I'll, I'll try to zip my lip here because we want to hear about, hear from you. <laughs> sure. Well, I think one of the, one thing I want to share just, it sometimes helps to know a little bit more about what is the point here with mindfulness before delving into some of the techniques. I think at least for me, I'm, I'm, yeah. I like to like know everything before I delve into it. So, um, and you, you made a comment that um, pointed at this concept beautifully is that if we don't do anything, you know, we are kind of just, if an untrained mind is sort of just like a crazy monkey, like if you haven't, already noticed that sometimes it's just during the day you have these crazy thoughts you get stressed for no reason you're happy one moment and then the next moment you're like yelling at someone um and that's just kind of how our minds are and there's nothing inherently wrong with it um and so this is i like to make the discernment between that's a very like primitive way of living and it's not that it's a wrong way of living we need to have our instincts we need to have um, you know, those gut feelings and we need to be able to run if we need to run and to yell if we need to yell. Um, but there needs to be some flexibility and resilience between that primitive brain and mind and that more evolved mind that is more intentional and purposeful. And so mindfulness is really a li- the missing link, I think, between, you know, getting from that place of reactivity and impulsivity and um, kind of all over the placeness to be like, okay, hey, I'm going to pause and start to get my frontal lobe, which is the part of our brain that's more rational and can, um, you know, focus and think about the future into play so that we can do things that are more in line with our values and react to the person that just annoyed us in a kinder way or in a way that will actually lead to um, things changing or whatever. So 
that's why I think mindfulness is so effective because it inputs that pause in a place right. where we might have done something that's not helpful or gotten mad at ourselves or whatever. Um, so what I, so I what I teach what I teach is like um, instead of reacting, it's the pause and then you respond. And how the, the mm. difference between respond and react are huge because if you respond, you can simply say, "I'll get back with you on that," and or mm-hmm. um, I'll, "I'll have to I'll have to think about that." And and in this case, I'm speaking specifically about when a mom is speaking to her addicted loved one, and she doesn't want to enable, she doesn't want to rescue, um, and and she's she's trying a new skill where she's not going to react, she's not going to fly off the handle with that child. Um, and giving them space to, giving themselves, you know, that space to just to pause so that they don't then get roped right back into the chaos. So anyway, I just thought it was so important to to hear that is like, oh, okay, so this this is one of those moments that I like to help moms in is right in that moment when you feel like you're going to react. Um, so mm-hmm. it's great that we can use this tool for that. Yeah, and that's a great segue into the technique that I wanted to teach, um, which is called RAIN. And um, it's a, a technique I teach all the time, and I use it with everybody that I work with, that I coach. And um, at its core, when you're inputting a pause, basically a moment of mindfulness, there, the reason the pause is so hard and why we don't want to pause and why we just want to go straight into the reactivity and the habitual um, upset or whatever it is yeah. that we tend mm-hmm. to do is because we humans will do next to anything to avoid feeling discomfort. And in that pause, there's, there's discomfort. So the technique that mm. I want to share is called RAIN, and it stands for, it's an acronym, so it stands for the R is recognize, the A is allow, the I is investigate, and the N is nurture. And all of these four parts together are a combination of mindfulness, of self-compassion that really helps us to be able to increase our tolerance for being with the discomfort so that we can respond. And it's a little bit easier. And there's like, it's nice to have a framework when you're in that frenzied state, you know, it's nice to have a framework you can go to rather than just like, okay, be mindful, be mindful, but it's hard to really apply that in a, um, in a scary situation. Yeah. So, so you could, you, a person could say to remember this, um, uh, it's going to rain in the pause. (laughs) So like, I'm going to, I'm going to welcome, I'm going to welcome rain in the pause and rain is respond, allow, investigate and nurture. Awesome. I love acronyms. So now you're going to, yes kind of go into yeah, that. Yeah, would you, would you like me to actually lead people who are listening through something like this? Or, I mean, it's, it's nice to have the experiential oh. process, but I can also just talk about it. What no, do you know? I think that would be great. But, Mom, okay. if you're driving right now, you can listen. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. you know, we're, you want to try this at, at home when you're or, or in a place where, you know, you don't have to pay attention to where you're going. But, oh, that would be awesome. 
Thank you. Yeah, and you, yeah, and you know, you don't even have to have your eyes closed. You don't even have to. I mean, it probably is oh. best if you're not like driving. But <laughs> um, even if you're driving, <laughs> you can pra- you can practice this. Just make sure to still pay attention to the road. Um, so what yeah, if, so if you are can at they home, do, can they? Can, oh can yeah, they do it if they're yeah, walking? definitely. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, this is one of my favorite practices because it is nice to do more formally with eyes closed, seated. But um, it's also one that you can do. I like to call it rain on the go. So you can do it walking or you can do it really short in like one minute or you can do it in 20 minutes. So it's very flexible. Um, So, yeah, if you're at home and you have a comfortable place to sit, then go ahead and find that space. And if you're driving or on the go, just keep doing what you're doing and maybe just take a few deep breaths wherever you are, whether you're at home or on the go. And when you take these deep breaths, see if you can make your inhales and exhales equal length. So breathing in for a couple of counts holding at the top of your inhale, and then exhaling out your mouth, releasing any mental, physical, or emotional tension that you might be feeling. And we do this breathing just to help kind of switch from daily life to doing a mindfulness practice, help make that distinction. And then after you've done those few breaths, just let your breath return to its normal rhythm no controlling of your breath. And maybe there's a situation in your life that is frustrating or challenging or that you're really struggling with. And maybe don't choose the, the, most, um, the most intense thing for the purpose of this practice. If you'd like to as a therapist or if you feel comfortable at home doing this practice later um, with the more intense experience, then you're welcome to do that. But for today, just choosing an issue that is mildly to moderately challenging for you. And first, just become aware of the details of that situation. Maybe it was something that was said or something that has been said. Letting yourself just get acquainted with what exactly is challenging about this experience, about this situation. And then we're going to move into the R, which is recognize. So in this situation, can you recognize what it is that you are feeling? Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's hopelessness. Maybe it's self-judgment or regret. Just recognize what's going on beyond all of the things people have said or done or what's happening, but what's really going on? What are you feeling? And then the A of RAIN. The first step in order to tolerate discomfort is to be able to be with whatever you're experiencing. And there's some instances where that might not be possible if it's a very traumatic thing that's happening to you right now, it actually might be wiser to step away from this practice and engage in some sort of healthy distraction like calling a friend or going for a walk. But if it feels safe to be with this feeling of fear or regret, then see if you can allow yourself just the experience of feeling whatever it is you're feeling. And to do this, you might just let your next exhale Just exude yes, 
you can even internally say to yourself, yes, this allows, this I allow, this belongs. And if you notice yourself getting tight or, you know, resisting that feeling, notice that too. And you can also allow that in this container of your body and mind. And then the eye of RAIN is to investigate. And it's not a cognitive investigation. So we're not asking ourselves, why do I feel this way or what's, why am I feeling this way or what's wrong with me or whatever? The eye is really about going into the body and noticing the sensations in your body. With any emotion, there is some correlating sensation. So can you notice where you feel that feeling that you recognize, that fear, that regret, the sadness? Is it in your belly, your chest? Is it more of a full body heaviness? Is it changing or is it relatively stagnant sensation? Is it dull or sharp? And if it had a color, what kind of color would it, would it be? Watch the sensation as it changes and evolves for the next 10 seconds. And oftentimes during the I stage of RAIN, it can be helpful to ask yourself, what am I believing? So much of the time, what causes the suffering isn't the situation itself, but what we believe to be true about the situation or about ourselves in the situation. So a common one might be that I've failed as a mom or there's nothing I can do. So just notice what beliefs might be accompanying this feeling. And then the last stage of RAIN is N. And we could spend, it's my favorite part, we could spend 30 minutes on this one, but just to, for the sake of simplicity, this is the nurturing phase. So for this phase, it can be helpful to imagine someone who it's very easy to love. It could be an animal or it could be someone who there's no complicated feelings with. And imagine them in your presence. And can you just feel the warmth that they are exuding? Is there some word or words of wisdom, not advice, but more of like a mantra or more of a, a prayer for you? What would they say to you? Maybe it's, may you be strong, or may you be happy, may you heal, whatever feels authentic to you with this warm being in your presence. And then can you let go of that person and imagine that you yourself are providing these words of compassion toward yourself. May I be happy. May I heal. May I know my worth. Whatever it is. 
notice what, if any, shifts have occurred for you in this practice. I'm just starting to take some deeper breaths. Maybe a sigh. Sighs can be really great for the nervous system. And then when you're ready, if your eyes are closed, you can open your eyes and just return to your surroundings. So that was rain. Wow, powerful. That is so good. Yeah, you just really can, at least I did, I I felt just everything go still, you know. And um, mm. the in, investigate was interesting because as soon as I heard that word, I go cerebral, right? So I was mm-hmm. so glad that you said, no, it's, Well, I lost Anne there for a minute. Sorry for that interruption. But I was talking about investigate and that part of it because I I wanted to – I always think, well, what's causing me to feel this way? You know, I want to go into the why. And instead, you said, let's go into where – investigate your body and where are you harboring, like, that tension Um and I have this thing I do with my foot where I curl my toes. And at the end of the day, my muscle is so fatigued. And I'm like, okay, I guess I was a little stressed today. <laughs> so, um, you know, so that seems to be like a place in my body that um, holds all that tension. Do you find that that for some people it's the same place, I mean, that they have, that they hold most of their tension in their bodies, or does it change change depending on what the um, trauma is or what, what the situation is? Yeah, that's a good question. And it's interesting um, having the background as a massage therapist because um, I kind of have both perspectives, like the mind perspective and the body perspective. It definitely can be a, a consistent thing like you're mentioning the ter- the toes the toe thing it's interesting that you can measure your stress level by just <laughs> how your toes feel at the end of the day <laughs> um but yeah for me it's it's definitely my right shoulder um and so that's oh. how i kind of i kind of know and we learned all about you know bot the somatic psychology and, and well not all about it but we learned a good bit about somatic psychology in such school and how yes some of it is physical you know you hurt your toe and your toe is going to hurt and it's not because you're stressed, it's because you hurt your toe. Um, but there's also a, a mind-body connection between how stressed we are or other, we have our issues in our tissues is another way that people sometimes see Oh, it. I love like, that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, we hold emotions and we hold, you know, areas in our life where we're contracted in our bodies because they can't go anywhere else. <laughs> we aren't a closed yeah. uh, system, or we are a closed system. You know, we, we hold everything in if it's not allowed to be expressed. Right. Makes sense. It makes sense. But sometimes we're just so busy that we don't even take time to notice um, where we have attention, that we even have attention. So, um I see where this can really benefit a person. And, of course, like you, the nurture part, I'm all about helping moms, you know, nurture themselves and um, do those things, create a mantra, create a resilient mm-hmm. statement, something that's going to power them through a difficult time. So, um, yeah. 
that was that's really that's important. Do you yeah. what why do you think that mindfulness is such a big buzzword now? Do you have a theory on that? Hmm, I've actually never thought about that. Um I think that it's becoming it, it's always been a thing, um but it's becoming more cool and I think it started becoming more cool in the 70s and 80s. Um around the time when like exercise videos were a cool thing and then yoga entered the mainstream and yoga became a cool sure. thing. Um, and so I think it really has to do a lot with culture and uh, the practices from the East coming um, to the West and those being incorporated. And um, now, and it's so mainstream. I mean, you can find the goat yoga class or you can find a yoga and wine class. And so I think just along with that meditation has become so meditation and mindfulness has become cool and, um, has become a very big thing that people know is effective. And there's been, with all of that, there's been so much um, research that's been done on meditation and contemplative techniques and mindfulness. And all of the research is just so, um, it's so uh, good. I mean, it's all very positive. Yeah. Yeah. And it basically confirms Uh everything that monks and meditation people have been telling themselves and others for years or like, hundreds and thousands of years, but the research really helps us Westerners to um, understand it and to be like, oh, okay, we don't have to be of any specific religion to practice this. And it's, um, you know, something and everybody can, can do to train their minds to just be more effective and um, to enjoy and be able to live life as best we can. Yeah, and I think you nailed it. Uh, the research, you know, if, if re- research, so you don't just take my word for it or Anne's word for it, right? You know, look at the research. This helps. So if if I, is there a certain time of day that a mom should try to focus on this um, and maybe not for sure focus on it? Like if, if they're in the heat of anger and they remove mm. themselves, is that a good time or is that a bad time? And and can you speak into that a little bit? Yeah. Well, as far as, I mean, I think that these sorts of practices, different variations of them can be used, like, in the heat of the moment and not in the heat of the moment. And actually, I think that okay. the best time to practice is not in the heat of the moment because when you're in the heat of the moment, when you if you practice when you're, when you're relatively calm – um, then those practices will just come to you more naturally when you're really in the midst of chaos yeah. and turmoil. Um, It'll become a that's habit. Not the best. Yeah, exactly. And it's so hard. And like I, I talked to my my boy a couple. I think it was last week. I was having a. I was very anxious and I was worried about something. I don't even remember what it was. And uh, whenever this, whenever that happens to me, I'm always so fascinated by how my mind immediately goes to like. I forget, I forget everything I know. And I feel utterly like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And then, you know, after years of practice, I've gotten to a point where it's like, okay, I I can get to a point where I remember. But for people who are beginners, it's really hard to like remember the rain steps when you're um, in the moment. You're in the moment. Yeah. So it's really important to practice when you're feeling relatively calm so that it's more automatic in the moment when you're stressed. Um, yeah, good as, point. As, I yeah yeah. So yeah, and as far as so how, um, more, oh, oh go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> no, you go ahead. <laughs> okay, 
Um, and as far as other times of day, I think there's a, a, a misconception as, as far as like there's an ideal time of day to meditate and that meditation is the end all be all. We are very busy. And if, medit- if you can't commit to meditation, it's not like you can't have a mindfulness practice. Um, so definitely want to convey oh. that. And there's also okay. not a time of day. Yeah, there's also not a time of day that's like best. Um, it's really whatever time of day that you can consistently and realistically practice, even if it's just a minute or two a day in the morning, in bed, right when you wake up. If you can commit to that realistically, then that's great. Or if it's before bed or if it's while you're cooking, you're just mindfully cooking or um, whatever you can consistently do, that's what's going to be the most effective. Oh, yeah, good point. And it's going to be different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I but habits sometimes, at least with my writing, I used to find that if I would, this was the way, this was the way I had to do it. I had to decide how many words I was going to write a day, and then in the morning, I I wouldn't allow myself to go anywhere or to do certain things until I had my workout done. So it it was yeah. instilling that habit of intentionality and consistency that. Um, kept my butt glued to the chair long enough, you know, to write the manuscript. But um, I think, how long do you think a person, it would take a person to feel the benefits of this? It's probably hard to say because you've done it for so long. Well, you can feel the benefits in three minutes. <laughs> um, if you did go. that practice. Yeah, I mean, there's short-term and there's long-term benefits. And the the short-term benefits, if new or relatively unfamiliar, you'll probably notice them right away. Um, I, I would say that the um, the effects are kind of most drastic in the first month or so of con- committing regularly to some sort of mindfulness practice. Um, and then after that, it, it might continue. It might be different for each person. I haven't interviewed specific people, so I don't know. But that's been the case for me. And it's sort of leveled out yeah. now. Now I can tell if I miss a few days. Um, then I can oh, tell, but it's wow. hard to tell. Like, how can you, how can, how can you tell, how can like, tell? What, what happens? Yeah. Yeah. I am way more reactive and, um, it's, it there almost feels go. like yeah. if I, if I didn't sleep for a day, that's what it feels like. Like it feels like I'm just on edge and I, yeah. um, you know, there's just something that's off for me. It's, it's, yeah, it's not a good feeling and I can tell. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm I, very familiar with that feeling. <laughs> I wish I wasn't, <laughs> but I am. <laughs> so, the not um, having sleep there, feeling? There, yeah, yeah. I, um, yeah. I, had this, I had this medical procedure yesterday. It was not supposed to be any anything big. And mm. last night I was in so much pain I had to go to the emergency room. So I was like, oh, no. are you kidding me? So I'm just exhausted today. That's why I'm saying, oh, my gosh, yeah, I know that feeling. Um, oh, no. Anyway, yeah, I'm okay, kind of but that's just kind of a sight. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Um, so is there anything else that you'd like to say to the moms? Um, any Anything more you'd like to add that I didn't ask? Oh, well, I, there's so much I could say. I guess it's just like the – it doesn't have to be a, I think the biggest thing is it doesn't have to be a big formal mindfulness practice, just a simple inputting a few pauses in your day. And it doesn't have to be inputting a pause when you're very stressed or in the midst of turmoil. It can be just a pause when you're driving and you notice a pretty tree or 
you know, just those little pauses help bring us back to this is life that we're living right now. Our minds tend to go in the future or the past, um, but what we're living is right here, right now. And so it's nice to just take a break from thoughts and just reestablish ourselves in the moment. And that's that's really the essence of mindfulness. So, oh. yeah, that's all I want to yeah, share. I, I love it because it it's something that seems easy. It seems simple. And we can start doing it right away and noticing the difference and um, reaping the reward of, I say to moms, you know, you can't, you can't control your child's choices, but you can choose calm. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, that's my mantra around here lately. I, I'll say to the kids and my husband, you know, I'm just going to choose calm right now. In other words, like you guys are really uptight and anxious. Everybody's kind of shouting at the same time. And I have to just go choose calm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'll just kind of practice my own like mindfulness in the more in, in the moment so that I can not get absorbed with become so anxious with everything that's going on, but it's, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. So Ian, yeah, if, um, if moms want to, to find you, they can go to annlowell.com. Let me spell that. It's A N N E and with an E and then Lowell is L O W E L L.com. Mm-hmm. Anne has a Facebook group. You're going to love this name. It's the triple A, not, you know, Alcoholic Anonymous, but it's the Angsty Adult Anonymous. Did I say that right? Angsty? Yeah. Angsty Adult Anonymous. Angsty Adults Anonymous. And um, is it a private group, did you say? Yeah, so it's a private group, and it's really all about helping people to learn the skill of mindfulness, as well as other skills that I teach with my one-on-one coaching clients and in um, my courses. Um, all about sort of like different techniques to help you get out of your head and into your body and to feel calm, to choose calm and how to actually do that and how to make mindfulness actually a part of your life in a non-complicated way. Um, and I lead wow. a, a meditation challenge every three months. Um, last time I think we had 50 people which, who joined, which is awesome. Um, and in that it's a, it's a challenge for beginners or for people who are relatively familiar with meditation. And it's really a, a meditation taster. The meditations last from five to 15 minutes, and I, throughout the challenge, I give you guidance on um, what kind of practice is for your lifestyle and how to practice and what to do with the challenges that might arise. So um, that's, I host that challenge in Angsty. Oh, uh, my mind is going in all these directions. So maybe you could come into our group and do a workshop or a challenge with my mom and yeah. We could collaborate. That would be really that fun. fun. Moms, if you're, yeah. lis- if you're listening to this and you are interested, um, let me know. Reach out um, to me either through a message or whatever. Let Somehow get in touch with me. Um, I, you can find us on my private Facebook group, Moms Letting Go, if you're not there yet. Or um, reach out to Anne and join her group, Angsty Adults Anonymous, and hop in the challenge with some of the other um, people in our country, in our world, that are struggling with chaos and and want to find peace and calm. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much, Anne, for um, being our guest today. We're blessed by you and appreciate you pouring into our lives and helping 
us cope with the chaos in our lives. So God bless. And if you're listening to this podcast and you want to review it, if you do that, then more people learn about what we do and how we bring support to moms who are struggling. This is Michelle Weidenbenner with Moms Letting Go Without Giving Up. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you're the mom of an addicted loved one, I understand. It's a difficult, difficult journey. One of the most important things you can do is surround yourself with support. And that's what I try to provide for you, support and hope. You can join our private Facebook group, Moms Letting Go, and you can um, find my courses at momslettinggo.teachable.com. In the courses, you will learn more about understanding addiction, understanding what's happening to your child, the pathways that lead to addiction, and how to stop your obsessive thoughts. And if you haven't downloaded the book, Moms Letting Go, you can find that at momslettinggo.com, free ebook download. So thank you for coming, and I hope that you enjoy this show. And if so, leave us a review so other moms like you can discover us too. God bless.